I am here in great measure, says the Lord. I am here in great power. If you will but trust in my name, if you will lean hard upon my strength, I will be a God of great deliverance for you. You sing about victory. I am your victory, says God. Look to the heavens and know that I am here and I will do a great work in you. If you will but trust in me today, you shall see it before the sun goes down. Wow. How? Amen. Stand with me if you would for the reading of God's word. Boy, if we, if we just went home right now, we've had church today, haven't we? Wow, the spirit of the Lord has been here in an amazing way. He has spoken to us and blessed us, touched us. I feel like... The only thing left is for us to go around seven times and the walls will come down. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, going to get right to it. What I feel in my heart this morning is that on a very personal level and then on a corporate level, we need an awakening. We're living in a day and time when we need to see a supernatural intervention of God Almighty. The kind of move that brought fire down on Mount Carmel. The kind of fire and the kind of move, kind of supernatural power that caused the, the Red Sea, the Jordan River to part. The kind of power that brings manna from heaven. Krispy Kremes. <laughs> so funny, all of you that posted pictures of donuts after church last Sunday. <clears throat> well, we need... An awakening. Nowhere in scripture do we find a better example, illustration of the kind of awakening that we need today than we find in Acts chapter 9. A gentleman who was sold out to his cause, just the wrong cause. A gentleman who was a leader, had risen high in rank was literally on a crusade to attack and destroy, murder Christians. His name was Saul, and he was from Tarsus. While we stand, and always know that when I ask you to stand, if that's not possible, if you have reasons, things going on physically in your body, and you can't stand, it is always okay. Don't you ever worry about that. Don't, don't, don't stand if you don't have the ability, but if you're able to, then we stand for the reading of God's word. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. He had no idea what he was doing, did he? So that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly. You ought to turn to someone right now and just say, suddenly. Suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground 
And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, just so he would clarify that he wasn't just talking about God Jehovah or Lord Jehovah. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished. How many of you know the convicting power of the Holy Spirit can change everything? Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless. They oughta. Hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight then Ananias answered Lord I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Don't you ever count anybody out. Don't you ever label anybody as unusable or helpless or hopeless with God. Someone you see as unredeemable is probably got a calling on their lives. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And boy, the list is long. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, how many of you know somebody's fixing to be amazed in your life? Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that very purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is...
Christ. Wow. Can you say amen? Jump to Romans chapter 13, verse 11, before we're seated. Paul, the apostle, formerly Saul of Tarsus, now writes, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Say this to somebody. We need an awakening. Amen. Father, we ask your blessings on the word of God by your Holy Spirit, which we feel and know is here in this place. Speak to us and challenge us and move us into a place of revelation, knowledge of you such as we have never known before. Speak to us today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We need an awakening. The kind of awakening that can convert the chief of sinners. That can take a terrorist like Saul and make him Paul the apostle. Like the Pharisee Saul, who becomes Paul the missionary. Someone who is literally on a road headed one way and turn around and is headed now in the opposite direction. A couple of years ago when I was privileged to visit Barrow, Alaska, Barrow is at the top of the world. They have a, a billboard in town as you enter into the town. It says, Barrow, the top of the world. You can't go any higher. It's the foremost highest point in the entire northern hemisphere before you get to the uh, the Arctic Circle, the literally the Arctic Ocean is at Barrow. And when I got there, there's only, a, it's a small town with 1,000 people and that's it. The, the closest town to you, you have to fly over the tundra for about an hour to get to that city. So there is no city, there's nothing close, there are not roads that go into Barrow or out of Barrow. You have to get to Barrow through what they call either the air or the ice highway. It's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. But while, while I was there, I was privileged to be able to see this, this road that went along the Arctic Ocean. And as I saw this road, there was the pastor there, Dave Matthews. He, he told me, he said, this road, do you see this road? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, this road is three miles long. I said, oh, that's cool. Where does it go? Nowhere. And I said, it goes nowhere. He said, nope. He said, we live here, and it gets very cold. It's six months out of the year. It's dark. Uh, several other months, it stays dark for, you know, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. He said, we have a lot of depression, a lot of things here that, that cause us to get a little stir crazy. And he said, so we built this road. It's three miles. You get out on this road, and you're allowed to. There's no speed limit. You can fly. You get on this road, and you go all the way to the three-mile marker, turn around, and come back. And it's just there if we ever just want to take a drive. Because in this little town, there's no such thing. He said, sometimes I just get on this road and I drive those three miles and I come back and I just feel better. And he said, and so does everybody else. And I thought about that. I thought, it's the road going nowhere. That's where a lot of folks are today. They're on a road going nowhere. And there's no other way, there's no other way out, there's no other right turn, there's no exit, there's no place to go except right into the Arctic Ocean. 
They have to turn around and come back. That is the kind of awakening that we need in this, our country, in our families, in our lives. We need the kind of awakening that says, I'm going this way to nowhere, and I'm turning around, and I'm going back. I'm going to back to safety, back to the security, back to the power and the presence of God that gave me life in the first place. I'm not going to stay on this road that leads to nowhere. Paul, Saul, was on this road to nowhere. He didn't realize what he was fighting against, but Jesus told him, you're kicking against it. You're kicking against the very thing you think you're fighting for. You're hurting the cause you think you're, you're, you're working for. This crusade you're on is a crusade going nowhere. And many times we think in our life we're headed towards success in business. We're headed towards success in life. And we want to make a name for ourselves. And we're headed out as fast as we can to get to nowhere. Let me remind you this morning, there is one life and life more abundant. And that comes through God Almighty. we got to get back to the truth of who and where our strength comes from, who we were made for, our form and being, and all that we have, it belongs to Him. And when we understand that, we'll turn the car around headed nowhere, and we'll, be, we'll head back to where our purpose and our destiny is met with God's plan, and then we have life. We have peace. We have joy. We need this kind of awakening. What I love about this story, about Paul's story, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was this Pharisee. He, was, he wasn't doing killing Christians out of hatred. He was really kind of killing them out of a sense that he was doing the right thing. He thought he was working for God, but he was wrong. We've got to be very clear in understanding God and in knowing the Lord. Getting a clear revelation. Part of what this awakening is is not just getting woke up to religion or getting woke up to a certain philosophy of life. It's about you and I understanding and knowing who is the son of the living God. Who is God? Who is the Christ? And when we understand that truth, get that down inside of us and understand we're responding to the truth that sets us free, then we have an awakening. What I love about this scripture was verse 11. It says, so the Lord said to Ananias, the disciple in Damascus, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Heaven noticed. Heaven knew right where he was. Heaven knew God knew the address where he was. He might as well have just said, go down to 4419 Nelson Road, right in the middle of the 11 o'clock service. Someone is praying. That's conversion. But that's also the unconditional, amazing love of God. God knew where he was, knew his address, knew what he was doing, called him Saul of Tarsus. Can I remind you that God knows your name? God knows who you are. You're not one face in a million. I remember a couple of years ago flying on a jet plane and I was looking down on the earth and it just seemed like they were just little matchbox cars, looked like ants, all the little cars on the highways and couldn't even see a human being. And I thought, Lord, with all of that, how in the world do you know where I am? 
And yet he whispered in that moment, that day, Vicki, he said, I even know the number of hairs on your head. He knows you. He knows me. He knows where you are, Hannah Rock. He knows your address. He hears your cry. He knows your prayers. Collects those tears in a bottle. He's kept them and he knows who you are today. He knows. We have to trust in him. This conversion experience of of Paul's is good for us. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for our loved ones, the ones we're praying for this morning. Because it lets us know that the most hopeless, helpless case, the one that seems to be the meanest, rottenest, the most damaging to the body of Christ, the one that's turned into an enemy of God, is loved by God, and God can reach them. Suddenly. Oh, that ought to cause somebody to shout right there. He can reach them suddenly. Paul, who he, by his own admission, he says, I know why God saved me like he did. I know why he gave me Damascus Road experience. He knew enough. Paul was a smart guy, as you'll learn and know as you discover his letters in the Word, the epistles that he's written, many of them in jail, because he was determined that he would fight for the cause of Christ. Once he knew that Jesus was it, man, that was it. When he thought that Jesus was the enemy of God, he fought hard for that. But when he discovered and had the revelation and the awakening that Jesus was the son of the living God, he was the Messiah, he was the deliverer, and then he went for it 100%. Oh, that we would have an awakening like that today, where people would move out of religion, move out of just being religious, move out of just being shallow and indifferent and just causing themselves to make a vote like an election. Okay, we'll say Jesus is it, but it doesn't change their life. It doesn't do anything good in them. They don't know him. They don't have an intimate relationship with him. Oh, for an awakening that would cause us to be all in with everything that we've got, turning our whole life over to him so that he could use us to make a huge impact and difference in the world. What? What do we do to obtain such an awakening? We have a lot of religious people. There are a lot of fishes on the back of cars. There are a lot of people that name Christianity as their mode of faith. But I'm wondering today, how many of them are awake? Truly awake, truly alert, sensitive to the moving of the Spirit. When the Spirit moved in our service just a few moments ago, were you aware? Did your Spirit bear witness with His Spirit? Did you feel the presence and the power of God in the house? Are you awake? Are you awake? We need an awakening. We need to be alert and aware. Paul wrote to Timothy, his son in the Lord. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says, Of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy. That in me, 
first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. That is saying, he says, I, I, the chief of sinners, was saved like I was, a bright light shone on my path, headed towards doing damage. I was headed towards trouble. I was headed to hurt the cause of Christ. I was doing evil and wickedness in the sight of God, but he stopped me right in my tracks, shone a light, converted and transformed me until I now am an example of the pattern that God follows for every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, every, every person ever born. There's a pattern that was set by Paul's conversion to let you know that he will go the extra mile. He will follow you all the way to the very end of your breath. He will be there after you. The pattern of God is that he is long-suffering, and he will go with you all the way until you are at a place of breaking and the light shines through into your life. That's the pattern of the Lord. You praying for someone you feel is helpless, hopeless? You praying for somebody? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're here today and everybody's been praying for you. You stumbled in this service this morning. You had no idea the preacher was going to be preaching about you. That you need an awakening in your life. That you need to come to the knowledge and understanding that you've been fighting against the very thing that has been wanting to deliver you all of your life. Every prayer that has been prayed, everybody that has loved on you, been there for you, put up with you. Every one of those people are standing back now surprised and astonished and in shock because the God that you have fought against has shown a light bright in your path. And here you are today ready to receive the change in your life. Or maybe you're believing for someone in your family. Maybe you're believing for a husband, a wife, for a child, for a grandchild. Their lifestyle is such that you can't even imagine how it could possibly be done. You feel like that is a hopeless situation. They are hell-bent. They are headed towards destruction. They are going nowhere on a road that will lead to nothing but death and destruction. You can't see any way out for them, but you are here today. And the pattern, Paul said, has been laid down for generations, a few thousand years now. What is that pattern? The unconditional, long-suffering love of God who will follow that man, that woman, that young boy, that young lady all the way to the very end of their life giving them that hope and that chance to live a victorious and delivered, set-free life where they will now become the man, the child, the woman of God that they were meant to be. He has a plan for them. Paul was an example of his love, of his unconditional, long-suffering mercy. And the fact that he will literally go the extra mile, he's also, he's also an example and a pattern of the fact that God uses those people. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with them yet. Don't give up. Don't give up. Lord, send an awakening. Send an awakening. I love the part where it says, where the word of the Lord to Ananias says, behold, look at this. We're looking, 
saw was praying. I get a vision of the Father God and all of heaven, the angels of the Lord, the cloud of witnesses. I mean, heaven knew that Paul, Saul, was trouble. He was an enemy of God. He was terrorizing. He was a headhunter. He was bad news. The Damascus Christians were afraid of him. Could this be a trap? Could this be some way, some new tactic he's using to bring us back and, and bring us in chains and bound to the chief priest? Is this going to be the trap that causes us to, to, to be arrested or killed? They didn't know what was going on. They were afraid of him. Everybody was afraid of Paul. Paul was the henchman. And yet God had another plan. God had this beautiful, long-suffering kindness towards him. And when Paul was delivered, taken blind into Damascus, taken to Judas's house, not Judas Iscariot, another with Judas. And he's there, and he asks if he can just be in a room for a while, and he's in that room, and he finds himself on bended knee, crying and praying to the Lord. God knew. God knew his address. Go down to Straight Street. In straight, state, straight Street. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Stop in at the house of Judas. Go in the back bedroom and see for yourself. Behold, Saul is praying. Can you imagine that when Saul was standing on that road and had been knocked to the ground and he looked up and the Lord spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul looked up and said, who are you, Lord? The moment he said, Lord, I kind of believe the bells started ringing in the towers all over heaven and the angels started cheering. The Bible says the angels rejoice over one who comes. I believe this one got some attention in heaven. I believe heaven knew all about Paul, knew all about who he was and what he would be. He, they knew there was a plan over his life. There was a promise over his life. I don't know who his mama was, but surely she had been praying. His daddy, I don't know who he was, but surely he had been praying. Somebody had been praying that Paul would be a vessel and be used. And here, you've got this situation all lined out, and heaven gets the word. I don't know if it's Gabriel or somebody else, but somebody says, Saul of Tarsus just said, Lord! The angels started rejoicing. The, the, the heavens started roaring. The bells started ringing. I just kind of believe that. You know, you go in the hospital here, and, and I've used this at funerals before, but I kind of believe there's some kind of sound system in heaven every time somebody gets saved because the Bible says all the angels rejoice. There must be a PA system in heaven that just says, Ray Phillips, July 2nd, 1981, he just prayed. And man, the angels start cheering and clapping and dancing. Everybody getting all crazy in heaven. 
the witnesses going nuts in heaven, you know? I just believe that with all of my heart. How many of you know heaven is real? Heaven is not a fantasy, a fairy tale. It's the real deal. It's real. And right now, they're walking and talking together on streets of gold. They're fellowshipping together. The throne is full of the power and the glory of God Almighty. And they are aware of what's happening in this service right here in this hour and they are moving mightily across this earth for those who are crying Lord the music's playing the angels are dancing and shouting the witnesses are rejoicing and I believe the Lord is looking over from the right hand of the Father and he glances at the Father and the Holy Spirit is doing his thing and all of a sudden Jesus cracks a smile Well, things are going to change now. We just got a revival. Paul going to turn Ephesus upside down. He going to turn the world upside down. He going to write letters to the Thessalonians. He going to write to the Colossians, to Corinthians. He is going to be doing all kinds of trouble. They'll lock him up. They'll put him on a boat and try to kill him. They'll beat him within an inch of his life. But that boy is going to survive it all. He's going to stand to preach. It doesn't matter what they've done to him. He is going to come out of this thing. You know why? Because he is awake. He knows now who is the Son of God. He's not in this just to sign his name on the roll. He's in this thing now saying it's life and it's death. It's my hope in my future. It's everything that I am and all I was ever called to be. I'll sing until I can't sing anymore. I'll preach until I can't preach anymore. And if they lock me up, I'll just write letters. Awesome. Awesome. Lord, we need an awakening. We need an awakening. We need the kind of awakening that changes lifestyle. The kind of awakening that changes our hearts. We don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it with dread. We don't do it out of obligation. We don't do it because somebody's pressuring us. We do it. We fall prostrate on our, on our bodies, on our hands and feet we lay down before the Lord before him in an altar or in our house by a bed I'm telling you you bend your knee anywhere on this earth and you begin to cry out to God and heaven it knows right where you are heaven knows heaven meets earth at the place where tears are collected and every tear you've ever cried I feel led that's how I told you earlier that the Lord was Alpha and Omega. If he, he said, I am Alpha, he said it's so clear to my heart and mind. He said, if I'm Alpha, remember, I'm Omega. I'm not just Alpha. I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I'm going to finish everything that I have ever started. God doesn't back up, sit down, walk away, give up. God will always see his work through to the finish. You can count on that. You and I know that, he, man, he will not walk away. He will in no wise cast out anyone who comes to him. I'm telling you, he wants signs and wonders. He wants us to be overwhelmed with hope. 
He wants us to feel the power that comes with believing and trusting and knowing him. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, you know it well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in that place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there consistently, perpetually. I'm telling you, the eyes of God are wide open. He's listening. His ears are open. He's waiting for you and I, and he's ready for a move in the situation. He wants to turn things around. He wants to rebuke the storm. I know it personally. I know he is, he is, he is looking to the problems and the trials and the troubles that you're going through, and he's ready to bring a massive change. He's ready to bring a shift. There is nothing that's standing in God's way or want. He is ready to move. So now, today, we say, Lord, Bring on whatever must I must go through. I will stand the test of time and I will march through this thing to victory because I am an overcomer. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I am a child of the living God. There is no enemy that can touch me. I belong to the Lord. What shall we say to these things then? If God be for me, who can be against me? Yes, amen, and amen. Praise God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness, he says, is of me. Wow. You know what that means? That means you don't stop. Help me, Gary. Get ready. Give me something real. I want something real like, like black gospel. I want some Andre Crouch. Well, somebody. When hell itself fights against you, don't stop. When hell plots and schemes against your family, sends out the goonies to lie on you, to persecute you and to steal from you and to try to destroy you, don't you stop, not for a minute. When everyone turns against you, murmurs against you, even the very elite turn their back on you, don't you sweat it none. Don't you stop. You have been given a revelation. You've been given an awakening. You know that you know that you know he is the son of God. And if you know that to be true, let the devil come. Let the armies of hell try to rise up against you. You stand your ground and don't be defeated because you are undefeated in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Be alert. Be alert. The Bible tells us be sober. Be alert. Be aware. For your enemy, the devil, he comes at you like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Several times 
I've spoken that and the Lord has brought it to my mind to tell someone don't be that someone what are you talking about be sober be alert be aware for your enemy the devil walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour don't you be that somebody don't give up don't quit don't stop as a matter of fact get awake get sober get alert get sensitive to the spirit move in power be empowered I know it's the last days I'm not dumb I'm not ignorant I know what the Bible says. Perilous times shall come in the last day. These are the worst of times. It's evil and wicked and horrible out there. Everything is coming against everybody. The, the church is attacked. The Christians are attacked. The people of God are attacked. The move of God is attacked. The country is, is unraveling. Morality is going in the pot. Everything's falling apart all around us. It is the worst of times. It is perilous. And that word perilous, if you look it up, kalipas, I believe that word is, it means, it means grievous and fierce. It's a fierce time. But while it's the worst of times, let's quote the great writer Charles Dickens, who wrote the tale of two cities, who said this at the opening line. He said, it was the worst of times. It was the best of times. Because while the devil is raging war and he knows his time is short and he is trying his best to knock you off your game, while that is indeed happening, it is the worst of times. It is also the best of times. Because Joel said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your son and your daughter, they shall prophesy. Young men shall dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. In the middle of it all. May look like chaos, but I'm telling you there is a, there's a straight line that if you'll follow it, you can't lose. You're, un, you're unstoppable. Did you hear what I just said? That's a word for somebody. You're unstoppable. There's no way. You're, there is nothing. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how dark it might get. You are unstoppable. You are undefeatable. You are absolutely a conqueror in Christ, and you're going all the way through. You, if you will not give in, give up, quit, or sit down, you are going to stand with the victor when he has his crown, and you're going to throw your crown at his feet. You're going to stand there in the celebration because that is the word and the promise. That's the heritage of those who trust in the Lord. Don't stop. Don't stop. Wow. It's time for us to be alert. It's confusion in the last days. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. But don't you stop. Don't you stop. Don't be naive. Don't, don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. Don't compromise. Not now. Our salvation is closer now than it's ever been. Don't let anything stop you. Be alert. Be aware. Don't be naive. Don't be deceived. Don't follow the trends and the waves of the world. You stay close to the Word of God. At the end of the day, you just, your allegiance and your loyalties, it's 
to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You follow his word. Don't argue and debate with people about what, I find it interesting, the people that want to sit around and argue and debate about things that they want to do and still be called a Christian. Let them be called a Christian if they want to. Leave them alone. But you stay on the firing line. You be holy because God said, without holiness, no man will see God. You don't, you don't follow the trends of the world nor of the church. Somebody worries about where we're going. Let me just tell you something. We may be upgrading around here, but you just mark this down in your Bible somewhere. The pastor said it on this Sunday, the 22nd of September 2019. We are a holiness Pentecostal church. That will never change. We desire the moving of the Holy Ghost in this house. We will do nothing. We will never please people. We will always please God. And we will live out the commands of His Word, teaching His Scripture to our children, our children's children, and to all those who are yet to find their way in. We are a church of the living God, built on the rock Christ Jesus. We are not going to move to the left or right or lean on any of the philosophies or trends of the current day. This we're doing because we want to be cool. I like cool, and I like updated, and I like it to look pretty, and it ain't done yet. It's only halfway done, so don't worry. Somebody says, well, that doesn't look like much. Well, give it some time. Little by little, every week it's looking a little bit better. But just be sure of one thing. Don't let the enemy deceive you and lie to you. We are not moving off the mark. We're not moving away from holiness and living righteous. And we want to, we're a church that the thing that will close these doors is if we ever get so cold and indifferent, the Holy Ghost can't find his way in here. We are here to meet with God. We're here to see salvation for sinners and them come to knowledge of Christ. We're here to see people saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized and healed in his name. Amen. Amen. So let's get to work. Don't let people, don't let people talk. I had somebody call on the phone. Well, I think y'all are moving cultic. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Tell me to shut up right now. Tell me to stop. I'll stop. There you go. No, we're not. No, we're not. We want to please God in everything that we do. How many of you are with us? We want to please God in everything that we do. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask a most important question. Do you need an awakening? Do you need an awakening in your life? Are you there? Are you at that spot? Are you feeling the hunger and the thirst this morning for that deeper walk with God? Are you ready to move into a place where it's all or nothing? Are you ready to move away from shallow living? Do you need an awakening? Are you praying for someone who needs an awakening? Are you praying for somebody who needs to wake up? Then I want us to pray this prayer together. If you're in need of awakening or you're praying for someone who needs an awakening, lift your hand. I want to see who I'm praying with today. All right. All right. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I ask that you will do that work, Lord. You've already done that. I feel like you've done it in me. I pray that you'll do it in our church. May we be so driven, 
driven and hungry and thirsty after you and after the awakening of the Spirit of God. May we be so driven, God, that nothing will stop us. May we not be detoured by troubles or trials. May we stand our ground in the midst of the fires, in the midst of the floods. May we not give an inch. May we not flinch at all, but may we be driven with a desire to see it all the way through to the end because the promise is there's a victor's crown waiting for those that will stand the test and will not give in and will not quit and will not stop. Lord, we are faithful to you. We thank you for that Bring an awakening of our spirit. Help us to be sensitive to the moving of your spirit today. Help us once again, God, to fall on our face before you and allow the awakening of the spirit of God to breathe fresh life into us once again. Oh, God, let the dead be risen in this house today. Let the power of the Holy Spirit fill us once again. Refresh us. Re-energize us. We give us a, a desire and a hunger such as we've never had before. May we be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed to live and to go in power to make a difference everywhere that we go. And God, be so determined that if they lock us up, we'll just write letters. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, one more question. I know we're going to go. We have a meet and greet here in just a minute for visitors from our church. If you're a visitor, please come by the bookstore. We're going to meet you, talk with you for a few minutes today. Well, please honor this. Close your eyes and bow your heads one more time. I feel like someone is here that needs to pray a prayer to receive Jesus into your life or maybe get things right with God. Maybe you've been away from him. I feel like you're here and you need to pray that prayer today. If you'd pray that with me, would you just slip up your hand and write back down. And I'm going to pray with you to receive Jesus. Are you here? I feel it. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? I want to pray that prayer with you, Pastor. I, I need to get right. I don't want to leave this house. The awakening has already happened within me and I want things right with the Lord. Is there anyone else? These three that have lifted their hand. Is there someone else? God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, ma'am. I see you. Praise God. I see you, ma'am. God bless you. Hands going up all over the house today. People are getting awake. God's waking some people up. Isn't this awesome? Christians are praying. Is there anyone else? Anyone? God bless you. I see you, ma'am. Reach out and touch the Lord. God bless you. I see you, ma'am. As he Anyone else? Just another minute. Just another minute. Wow. Excellent. I've lost touch. I don't, I don't remember how many there are. But if you lifted your hand, we're going to pray a prayer with you right now to receive Jesus in your life. You are awake in the spirit. God's going to use this day to give you a whole new life. Everything changes for you. Starting right now, let's pray together. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. You came down and lived, went to the cross, died and rose again. You did that for me. I accept you in my life. I believe you're the Son of God. 
I confess you with my mouth. According to your word, I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer today, we have some information, a Bible for you. We want to give you some information. Someone will be there to speak with you just for a moment. We don't take no money. We don't take your blood. Nothing like that. We just want to talk to you for just a few minutes. So please stop by. Get some information that will help you to get started on your new walk with Jesus. Thank you, and God bless you today. Amen. As the pastor is going to the meet and greet, we invite you, if you're new to our church here in the last several weeks, we'd love you to come by, check in with him down at the bookstore. Also, we need some uh, volunteers really quick. We have a large piece of equipment here in just a few minutes that we're going to put on the stage, and we just need some uh, helping hands to help us put that up there. If you'll hang around just a couple extra minutes, we've got to put a lift on the stage. If you would help with that, that would be awesome. Also, I want you to remember Family Fun Fest. Bring your donations, candy, pop, those kind of things. We want you to come and serve and be a part of it. Have a wonderful week. God bless you all. Yes, and tonight, normally tonight is the mix, but there is no mix tonight. There's no service here in the building. God bless you. Have a wonderful time with your family, and uh, we'll see you this week.